Chapter Ten of the Wise Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nathan at AntipodeanWriter.wordpress.com. The Wise Woman by George MacDonald. Chapter Ten. After the thunderstorm, Agnes did not meet with a single obstruction or misadventure everybody was strangely polite gave her whatever she desired and answered her questions but asked none in return and looked all the time as if her departure would be a relief they were afraid in fact from her appearance lest she should tell them that she was lost when they would be bound on pain of public execution to take her to the palace but no sooner had she entered the city than she saw it would hardly do to present herself as a lost child at the palace gates for how were they to know that she was not an impostor especially since she really was one having run away from the wise woman so she wandered about looking at everything until she was tired and bewildered by the noise and confusion all around her the wearier she got the more was she pushed in every direction having been used to a whole hill to wander upon she was very awkward in the crowded streets and often on the point of being run over by the horses which seemed to her to be going every way like a frightened flock she spoke to several persons but no one stopped to answer her and at length her courage giving way she felt lost indeed and began to cry a soldier saw her and asked what was the matter i've nowhere to go to she sobbed where's your mother asked the soldier i don't know answered agnes i was carried off by an old woman who then went away and left me i don't know where she is or where i am myself come said the soldier this is a case for his majesty so saying he took her by the hand led her to the palace and begged an audience of the king and queen the porter glanced at agnes immediately admitted them and showed them into a great splendid room where the king and queen sat every day to review lost children in the hope of one day thus finding their rosamond but they were by this time beginning to get tired of it the moment they cast their eyes upon agnes the queen threw back her head threw up her hands and cried what a miserable conceited white-faced little ape and the king turned upon the soldier in wrath and cried forgetting his own decree what do you mean by bringing such a dirty vulgar-looking pert creature into my palace the dullest soldier in my army could never for a moment imagine a child like that one hair's breadth like the lovely angel we lost i humbly beg your majesty's pardon said the soldier but what was i to do there stands your majesty's proclamation in gold letters on the brazen gates of the palace i shall have it taken down said the king remove the child please your majesty what am i to do with her take her home with you i have six already sire and do not want her then drop her where you picked her up if i do sire someone else will find her and bring her back to your majesty's oh that will never do said the king i cannot bear to look at her for all her ugliness said the queen she is plainly lost and so is our rosamond it may be only a pretence to get into the palace said the king take her to the head scullion soldier said the queen and tell her to make her useful if she should find out she has been pretending to be lost she must let me know the soldier was so anxious to get rid of her that he caught her up in his arms hurried her from the room found his way to the scullery and gave her trembling with fear in charge to the head maid with the queen's message as it was evident that the queen had no favour for her the servants did as they pleased with her and often treated her harshly not one amongst them liked her nor was it any wonder seeing that with every step she took from the wise woman's house she had grown more contemptible for she had grown more conceited 
every civil answer given her she attributed to the impression she made not to the desire to get rid of her and every kindness to approbation of her looks and speech instead of friendliness to a lonely child hence by this time she was twice as odious as before for whoever has had such severe treatment as the wise woman gave her and is not the better for it always grows worse than before they drove her about boxed her ears on the smallest provocation laid everything to her charge called her all manner of contemptuous names jeered and scoffed at her awkwardnesses and made her life so miserable that she was in a fair way to forget everything she had learned and know nothing but how to clean saucepans and kettles i would not have been so hard upon her however but for her irritating behaviour she dared not refuse to do as she was told but she obeyed now with a pursed-up mouth and now with a contemptuous smile the only thing that sustained her was her constant contriving how to get out of the painful position in which she found herself there is but one true way however of getting out of any position we may be in and that is to do the work of it so well that we grow fit for a better i need not say this was not the plan upon which agnes was cunning enough to fix she had soon learned from the talk around her the reason of the proclamation which had brought her hither was the lost princess so very beautiful she said one day to the youngest of her fellow-servants beautiful screamed the maid she was just the ugliest little toad you ever set eyes upon what was she like asked agnes she was about your size and quite as ugly only not in the same way for she had red cheeks and a cocked little nose and the biggest ugliest mouth you ever saw agnes fell a-thinking is there a picture of her anywhere in the palace she asked how should i know you can ask a housemaid agnes soon learned that there was one and contrived to get a peep of it then she was certain of what she had suspected from the description given of her namely that she was the same she had seen in the picture at the wise woman's house the conclusion followed that the lost princess must be staying with her father and mother for assuredly in the picture she wore one of her own frocks she went to the head scullion and with humble manner but proud heart begged her to procure for her the favour of a word with the queen a likely thing indeed was the answer accompanied by a resounding box on the ear she tried the head cook next but with no better success and so was driven to her meditations again the result of which was that she began to drop hints that she knew something about the princess this came at length to the queen's ears and she sent for her absorbed in her own selfish ambitions agnes never thought of the risk to which she was about to expose her parents but told the queen that in her wanderings she had caught sight of just such a lovely creature as she described the princess only dressed like a peasant saying that if the king would permit her to go and look for her she had little doubt of bringing her back safe and sound within a few weeks but although she spoke the truth she had such a look of cunning on her pinched face that the queen could not possibly trust her but believed that she made the proposal merely to get away and have money given her for her journey still there was a chance and she would not say anything until she had consulted the king they then had agnes up before the lord chancellor who after much questioning of her arrived at last he thought at some notion of the part of the country described by her that was if she spoke the truth which from her looks and behaviour he also considered entirely doubtful thereupon she was ordered back to the kitchen and a band of soldiers under a clever lawyer sent out to search every foot of the supposed region they were commanded not to return until they brought with them bound hand and foot such a shepherd pair as that of which they received a full description and now agnes was worse off than before for to her other miseries was added the fear of what would befall her when it was discovered that the persons of whom they were in quest and whom she was certain they must find were her own father and mother 
by this time the king and queen were so tired of seeing lost children genuine or pretended for they cared for no child any longer than there seemed a chance of its turning out their own child that with this first hope which however poor and vague at first soon began to grow upon such imaginations as they had they commanded the proclamation to be taken down from the palace gates and directed the various sentries to admit no child whatever lost or found be the reason or pretence what it might until further orders i'm sick of children said the king to his secretary as he finished dictating the direction End of chapter ten recording by nathan at antipodeanwriter dot wordpress dot com